0: Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode we have Rich Birdie who is an athletic trainer that is still in the young professional aspect of his career but has done a lot as it relates to service in the athletic training profession. We talk about that a lot as that is the main focus of this episode and how he found time and balance with it when it comes to working full-time. A lot of different experiences thus far but all very busy as most of us are but if you are a young professional and really thinking about getting into service rich has some really good practical ways to get involved and then explains how it's been beneficial to his career uh i even took some away from this uh just getting into service myself uh, just in a lot of the things that he has done uh what unique skill sets he's been able to pull from that including working with corporate sponsors and figuring that out so a lot of great information there as always we are powered by mueller sports medicine please go check them out for your sports medicine needs uh NATA coming up I know they're excited to be there unfortunately I won't be able to make it but I love hanging out with them you can have any kind of conversation throw ideas around they've got a bunch of new things coming please go check them out Um, if nothing else you'll meet some really great people uh, that will always be there for you in the profession but without further ado please enjoy this episode this episode of athletic training chat today we are on with rich birdie uh and we are going to talk about finding time for service in the at profession and i will turn it over to rich here in just a second about all of the things he's done service wise uh which kind of going through is plenty um and how you know finding time for it and you know why diving into it because that can always be a hot topic of you know, getting involved to create change and things that you want to see. So, uh, before I keep going, uh, I want to turn it over to you to fill in um, your background, and then we'll jump into talking about service and AT. Great, thanks, Joe.
1: Appreciate you having me on today. Um, like you said, uh, we kind of connected uh, through a mutual friend, Matt Shade, um, and he's he's been my financial my financial guy. Um, nice. Working with uh, Pat's actually. So I met him through service, Uh, but background on me. uh, I went to Lock Haven University. I graduated there in in 2013 with a bachelor of science and focus in athletic training. I went on to do my grad assistantship there and then got my master's through Cal U of PA. Uh, And then after that, you know, I was looking for my first job was able to know somebody on the staff at St. Francis University. Uh, which is a small division one school in the middle of uh, Pennsylvania. So that was my first, my first job as a, as a professional. Uh, I stayed there for five years, was able to get elevated to associate director of sports med. Um, and While I was there, I really started to ingrain service into what I do on a day to day basis. Um, I was Pat's young professionals chair while I was there. Um, did some corporate relations stuff with Pats, and then also got involved with the NATA District 2 Young Professionals Committee. Um, After about five years there, I decided to go to Wake Forest, and I worked with their men's basketball program and uh, worked with the NCAA Care Concussion Research um, Consortium. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was there up until COVID. Uh, We were playing the ACC tournament, and uh, the following week, everything shut down. So I went back up to Pittsburgh where my fiance was, um, and, you know, got called back to Wake Forest. And at that point, I, you know, really enjoyed spending time with her and, you know, decided I wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. Um, so I was back in Pennsylvania. I was able to, you know, uh, hit back. Or I was able to get back with my roots, um, and, and contact those people that I, I knew from service. So got right back on a Pat's, uh, committee, started with a uh, Pat's corporate relations, uh, co-chair, um, and then this past year, I started with the NATA Career Advancement Committee, so I'm the chair with um, District 2, so Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, New York, um, and that's pretty recent. And um, employment-wise, I was at Kutztown University for a little bit, and now I'm an associate athletic trainer at Drexel University, uh, working with men's basketball. So,
0: so You've done just a couple things so far along, along the way. Yeah. long-winded. Well, no, you're all good. Um, I believe is it? Um, oh no, I'm totally blanking on it. Uh, Doctor Nikki um, Harris. Sorry, I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nikki uh, Harris. Yeah. Yes, who's on the uh, career advancement committee? Correct.
1: Yeah, she's the overall chair of the.
0: Committee. Yep. Yeah, we had her on a while ago, and it was interesting to hear her insight on just kind of that split that happened in the YP and kind of, or within that 12 year range. So I'm um, excited to hear more about that. Uh, so just based on your background and what we had kind of talked about, you know, you're, you're busy. Uh, you got a lot of things going on, you know, division one basketball demanding long seasons. obviously COVID um, still doing that now. Um, with all of that happening, what drew you to the service aspect of athletic training?
1: Yeah, I, I love that question. Um, everybody's answer is a little bit different. Sure. So my answer is when I was an undergraduate, um, my professor, my mentor, Dr. Yvette Ingram, um, she was the current Pats president at that time. So she was one of her professors. She was my uh, preceptor for, for football. Um, and it was like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna volunteer for this type of thing and um, so we ended up going to hike to Harrisburg uh, in 2012 where you know Pen- we go to Pennsylvania State capital, and at that point we were really working hard to secure licensure mm-hmm. um, in the state so that was like one of the biggest things that we did was go there and you know meet our senators meet our representatives and um, yeah just basically thank them and, and for you know, basically making us license in the state of Pennsylvania to practice as medical practitioners. Um, so I think that was, that was when I really got started. And then after that, it just kind of carried on, I went to conferences and, you know, you just start meeting people and the, the snowball just keeps rolling.
0: Fair enough. The, the voluntold way of getting engaged in it. Uh, like exactly. it, can, it can have its merits at times, right? Yes. How do you balance that and like work it into your career? Um, I know for me, I've just completed year one of being a regional rep in my state and um, also working on a committee there that in hindsight, I, I didn't dedicate nearly as much time as I needed to and still need to figure out how to do that jumping in here into year two. Um, but I'd be curious how you've done it. Cause obviously busy, very, very busy in season and, off season, you know, we everybody understands trying to throttle down a little bit. But if you wouldn't mind sharing,
1: yeah, I think it, it just comes down to time management and where your available time is. Um, I'm a you know I'm a planner, so if I if I can you know schedule as, as best I can, um, whether that's around practice, if there's you know spots in practice where I I know we're not going live, I know there's not going to be a lot of stuff going on. Try to schedule it there and there. Probably not the best suggestion, um, but I'm an early guy too. So wake up, you know, usually around five thirty-six. Um, try to get into work a little bit early, um, and at that point, that's when I check all my professional service stuff before okay. I even get my day started for work. Um, you know, we practice at nine thirty. Guys left at eight, um, so typically I don't get anybody earlier than eight unless it's like a long-term rehab. So I get there around sure. seven. Um, and I usually take that first hour and if I have to send emails, whether it's working on a project, um, that's kind of when I do it. And then just trying to find time around my schedule outside of that. If it's a conference call, um, or, or anything like that, it would just be, you know, time management.
0: Is there anything you found where you've been able to like tie in your daily work, your job with any of the projects that you've been doing? Is, have you found a way to cross any of that over? It's it's actually a good question. I I actually
1: haven't had much crossover between professional service and like my employer. Um, obviously they, they've been great. Every employer I've had has allowed me to have time to do other things. So I think, you know, a, a big thing is finding somebody that's, that enables you to do professional service. A lot of the time, it's a lot of time devoted to going to conferences, um, you know, doing meetings and things like that. So just an employer that allows you to do those things, I think, is really, really important if you want to, you know, move forward with um, professional service.
0: I Agree with that. Um, you having done a lot both at the state and the district level, I can only speak to the state from my own experience. But what is the might be the biggest misconception you've seen? In kind of service in at you've met a lot of different people Um, i'm sure some people that have taken to it more than others Um, but what have you seen
1: you know i I think a lot of people a lot of young professionals think it's it's such a tough circle to crack um Mm -hmm. you know i i think the more you try to involve yourself the more you try to volunteer i think the better it is people understand who you are and you know what your name is whether they're that's you know reaching out via email on social media um, on volunteer pages uh, whatever that may be I think just you know putting yourself out there trying to say that you're energetic you really want to be involved and then um, you know even starting at your state level that's you know probably the easiest thing because you're in the state you may know some people on the committees um, and then you know just working up from that there's so many committees on in every state every district every national program there's so many committees that you can join I think just kind of getting at least like five committees that you're really interested in and then just starting there and if that doesn't work you can kind of expand that search a little bit
0: I think it's been fascinating to me how hard it is to fill committees when you're actually in it and there and trying to find people that are interested so if you are interested I think what you said is so important like the persistence like I know when I originally reached out um, to be a part of the leadership committee, which I didn't exactly know what it was, um, what I thought it was, and what it was was two different things. But didn't hear back right away. Okay, no big deal. Like I'll shoot another email, you know, just to follow up. And apparently, an email had gotten lost in translation or something like that. And then ultimately, they're like, "Oh, you want to take this over? Well, do whatever you want with it. Like, here's what it was, and what do you want it to be?" and those opportunities are there you just got to be i think persistent because for a lot of people you know i do my best to check all of my stuff at least once a week just to make sure i'm not getting too far behind um i've got it up in these 37 tabs that i have on my browser to make sure that i still see it um but that's not always the case with people that are on those and so having a little persistence can be useful especially with those specifically tied email addresses
1: yeah i agree 100 percent. i think professional professional service also takes a good amount of time to get responses because it's not a full-time job right Uh, they're doing this as volunteers most of the time so you know they may be checking it once every two weeks once every three weeks um so i think it is if you don't get a response right away like don't be hesitant to reach back out and just say hey um you know is there any more openings in your state committees um, do you have any like potential other opportunities any task force committees um, any other projects that you can work on there's so many things going on at every single level or just even volunteering for nata um, you know that's an easy way to just meet people
0: so what is your ultimate goal with all the service i mean you've done like corporate relations co-chair sounds fascinating um, would be curious to just hear a little bit more about that Um, but your work on you know we mentioned the career advancement committee and everything with the young professionals. Like, what is your ultimate goal in serving in all these roles?
1: I just my ultimate goal is to make the profession better. I don't think it's like an individual goal, like I want to reach this reach this plateau. Uh, You know, it's just on a day to day basis, just try to progress the profession. You know, leave it better than I found it, leave it better than when I got here. Uh, whether that's through corporate relations, we're um, trying to raise money for our our state organizations to have less overhead. Um, that's pretty much what that committee is for. Just you know, getting out there talking to talking to reps, uh, talking to other companies, and trying to see if they want to sponsor Pats. Um, so that's what that committee's typically about. And then, um, yeah, career advancement committee, same type of thing. Just trying to advance the profession. Uh, really trying to hit home on salaries and work-life balance. So I think those are two keys. Um, But yeah, overall, just, you know, trying to trying to better the profession.
0: Talking about misconceptions, you just mentioned the career advancement and salaries. I know that comes up depending on who is listening and how much you're in the social media world, but that it obviously comes up a lot as it should. But there's some, you know, always the argument of, you know, what is the NATA doing for ATs to help advanced salary is there anything you can maybe shed some light on obviously it is so multifactorial that it's not like the NATA can just snap their fingers and all of a sudden everybody gets a ten thousand dollar raise which would be awesome but uh, just kind of what misconceptions are around that and what service can do to help um, the profession and those in it to get to where they want to go
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of the misconception is that the NATA is like the governing body of athletic trainers. Um, and that, like you said, snap of the fingers, you can make 10 X, $10,000 extra. Um, whereas I see the NATA as an information hub, a resource Mm -hmm. hub. Um, so they're, they're just collecting the salary information to allow every athletic trainer to see where they stand individually. Um, because I feel like that's where a lot of the, the conflict comes is because you have some people that are really good at salary negotiating, negotiation. And then there's also some that, you know, aren't very experienced at it, um, especially with young professionals in, in saying, you know, you, you know your worth, you know your value, how do you prove that? Um, so I think there's so many different things in terms of salary, but, you know, the NATA provides resources on how to help. And then it's your, it's your job to be well-rounded in those type of conversations with your stakeholders whether that's, you know, an AD or a principal or, you know, in someone in your position, I'm sure you may be under a hospital administration. So just understanding the language that each individual has because at the end of the day, most of the time they're worried about the line item um, in the budget. And if there's no money to give to you, they can't, their hands are tied. Um, So, you know, creating ways on how to produce revenue is also another good idea if you can find any way if you're you know maybe you can look at raising raising money to you know help offset your your overall budget sure. just just other things like that uh, yeah you can you can really go off in a tangent on this one uh,
0: <laughs> i can imagine yeah is going the service route do you think right for everyone is it something that Et should, you know, always pursue, um, should it be a requirement, any kind of general thoughts on, from your experiences?
1: I will say, I think it's great to, to experience it. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're not passionate about it, um, you kind of get caught up in the time commitment type thing. Um, you get caught up in not being paid for the experiences. Um, then I don't think that's Probably the route you should go if you're getting if you're getting caught up in those things, um, I would say probably not for everybody. But if you're someone that's really passionate about helping move move the profession forward, um, you know, doing anything you can to help somebody else out. I think it's a great, great thing to do. Um, it's so rewarding to be at conferences and, and seeing people that I've met and worked with. Um, and we don't see each other for years, probably right. at this point, like COVID right. you know, took, took two years away from everybody. So i'm chomping at the bit to get back in person just to just to connect with everybody again because it's so enjoyable um and i feel like every time you go to a conference you get that that fire renewed back in you, uh, just, you just like really want to really want to help out so yep. um that's the stuff that i really enjoy about it is just connecting with people and, and really you know helping the next person out
0: i think that's the in-person I'm going to end up missing N.A.T.A. this year, which is so unfortunate because there's so many people that we've gotten to talk to over the last year and a half, two years that, man, it'd just be great to connect in person, but uh, not in the cards this year, unfortunately. What have you seen as your biggest success or accomplishment. I know, it, like you said, what you do in service is about pushing the profession forward. So we can tie it to that, not your own personal success, or if you've got an example of both, um, that's going to keep you coming back to doing more service. Um, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think the, the best thing that I've ever gotten is probably all of the relationships I've been able to develop. Um, you know, just, you know, talking to past presidents, or talking to the executive board, or talking to, you know, Hall of Fame members, whether that's at NATA, District 2, EATA, PATS, um, you know, just developing those relationships and, um, you know, being a mentor to others, I think is, is also important. Being a preceptor, you know, I'm preceptor for Temple right now. Uh, so just, you know, trying to get back to the profession in terms of service, I think, is, is probably one of the biggest rewards Aside from that, um, this year, I did receive an award
0: um, from Pats.
1: Uh, I got the Pats Service Award, which goes to um, an individual that puts in, I think it was five years of professional service. Um, So, yeah, I was able to accept that this year uh, and be getting that at Pats in in June. That was like probably my only uh, service related award.
0: Well, congratulations on that one. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Like I said, just made it through year one. We'll see how year two goes here uh, and where that train goes. What else around service haven't we covered that you think is important? Kind of covered a whole gamut of things so far. Yeah, I think
1: maybe not from a service perspective, but I think from a young professional perspective, like find a mentor. outside of the person that you already look to, um, whether that's through social media, like I said before, uh, walking up to a person with a Hall of Fame jacket on and saying, hey, my name is so-and-so, I'm really interested in getting in the profession. Do you have any advice? Um, and just you know, finding a, a mentor that you don't know, I think is important because a lot of the time athletic trainers are willing to help others, but they don't know how to help others if they don't know the person.
0: Yeah, well, how important it is to get context then about, you know, what has been done in the past or been tried so you're not necessarily having to reinvent the wheel if it's already been somewhat assembled, maybe you can have a new idea that helps it make it just a little bit better to truly get something accomplished that people want to get accomplished.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Anything else that you'd like to cover before we jump into the athletic training chat questions?
1: Uh, i trying to think here. I don't
0: think so. You're very like succinct in your answers and it's, it's good. Uh, it gets the, the <laughs> point across very well. So I'm running out of things to ask you that we had already put out there, but that's all good. So um, maybe we'll judge something up a little bit more out of, out of these as we get going. Um, first one is, is where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? And you, if you could kind of set the example of what you're seeing.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting time in athletic training, um, just based on, just based on the, the degree requirements. Um, since we went from a master's from a bachelor's to a master's program, um, I'll be interested to see how that goes in terms of the overall amount of athletic trainers we have. I know there's a a pretty big um, supply and demand in college right now. I don't think colleges have really bumped up their salaries to meet the needs of incoming young professionals. And I think they're starting to realize that. So I mean, we're starting to see more transition into other practices, whether that's going to PT school, whether that's going to PA school, um, even, you know, nursing school, things like that, other healthcare professions, because we're not putting it up the salary for the amount of school that we're recommending. So I'll be interested to see how it is in five to 10 years on, are we able to adjust from going to a master's program or will we have a decline in athletic trainers produced? And if so, what is it from? Are they going to other practices? Are they going to um, different career fields. You know, it'll just be an interesting situation. And then just to see how uh, third-party billing progresses, um, are insurance companies including us or are they not? So I think it's just really a wide open box and um, even setting to setting, to seeing where we progress to.
0: Um, from your career advancement committee, uh, just kind of curious if that's something that you guys are even able to follow because it's so big broad and there's so much detail out there, but has there been a general sense that salaries in that, just speaking in the university or collegiate setting, that's what you've been most, um, are starting to trend in that way? Um, I know there's been some concern about compression with even there's like teachers and things like that within that realm and professors, but is there anything able? you guys are even able to track if you are? (laughs)
1: Um, not that I'm aware of, okay. but I will say, like, you could see postings on right. Nata indeed. And, and some of the salaries are just, it's an old salary. It's an old job description. And until the employer changes things, um, you know, I think the AT is probably not going to go to that position. Um, and especially if you're going to a, a, a college, a smaller college that doesn't have an appropriate amount of staff. I mean you're gonna get burnout. You're gonna you're gonna not enjoy what you're doing because the salary that you get you're working sixty hours for. And, you know, when you start comparing it to working at Amazon, to working at, you know, anywhere else, like all the even um, you know, grocery store or Walmart, it's just it's tough to compare because of, you know, the background that we have as healthcare professionals. So I, I understand the young professional and, and saying, you know, I'm I'm kinda of done with this because because of this. Like I'm not being rewarded for what I think I deserve. I think that's a, that's a huge problem until the employer corrects that. I think we're gonna see a trend similar to what we're seeing now.
0: I agree. It is going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, yes, it will. <laughs> what advice would you give yourself if you could go back as a young athletic trainer and if you could set the timeframe of when that was?
1: Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to think back, what would I tell myself? Um, <laughs> I would just say be more, I would say open to, uh, or, or, more, um, I don't know the right word for this outgoing. I would say when I was a, you know, I was a graduate of Haven. you know, I was still a little bit shy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I wasn't really the outgoing type to go up to somebody like I'm recommending to do now um, and and say like, hey, my name's Bridge. I'm really into professional service. Is there any committees to be on? Um, I kind of worked behind the scenes on some other projects and, you know, um, Dr. Ingram really helped, uh, you know, put me into situations where I had to talk to people and um, do things. So if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today. Uh, So I would definitely They say be more outgoing and be, you know, sociable and, you know, be open to talking to people, even if you don't know them.
0: Right. I'm still getting myself over that. It's a lot easier to reach out on social media and then meet somebody or via email and and then meet them on here than just walking up to them at a conference. So, um, yeah,
1: exactly. Slowly interrupt them them during a conversation. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, or you can go do that to somebody, like, hey, have you met my friend? And then walk away, like, I've got to do that to somebody at some point. Um, yes. What has been the most influential resource that you have found in your career?
1: Yeah, I think the most influential resource has been um, the connections, the relationships that I've been able to make. Um, you know, when I first got my job at St. Francis, I was calling Dr. Ingram, like, probably every week, just to say like, what's going on here? Like, what am I not getting? Um, how do we make this better? Um, so I thought to myself, you know, what if I didn't have my mentor? Um, so then we put together a mentorship program for Pats. That was like my main goal. And just so everyone had a different mentor outside of their, um, you know, their curriculum, their yep. their program. So that was one of the biggest thing that I would have done. But you know, just the amount of relationships that I've been able to get, um, and then just knowing that you're a phone call away from somebody that can provide pretty good advice or, you know, an answer to a question that you may have, I think is is so influential in terms of this profession.
0: Yeah, I, being one that has not taken that advice in my, in my own career, and now I'm finally starting to do that and really reach out and try and connect, I, I can't can't agree more that it's important to start that early and extend yourself in that because it'll it'll be worth it in the long run
1: yeah and you never know what job opens up right i know it's you know a lot of now we're trying to really make sure that we have a great process in job hiring but you know that personal connection um it goes a long way especially if you have good experiences and you know the person
0: absolutely as an at in your role how do you take care of yourself?
1: Yeah, I love to um, work out. Love to golf. Uh, love spending time with my fiance and our dog Bailey. Uh,
0: nice.
1: She's she's gonna be turning in a year pretty soon, so uh, she's she welcomes me every day. There's never a, a you know a bad day. I don't have a bad day at all when I get home because uh, sure. the dog greets me every day. At the door. <laughs> uh, so she's a little golden retriever. Okay. Um, So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I I do it. And um, honestly, professional service that kind of helps me out, Um, you know, gives you time to blow steam off if you need to as well from your from your current job. And, you know, it's it's always nice.
0: Absolutely. If you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset or whatever you're choosing in the field of athletic training, what would it be? the first, first thing I would do is eliminate passive modalities.
1: Uh, All right. So like, like ice, heat, stim, ultrasound, all this stuff where the individual's not really moving, not really working. Um, That's, that's one thing, 100%. Um, Even, you know, taping, like that's a passive modality, right? Um, Does it help mentally? Maybe, but outside of that, like, what are we really doing? I'm really trying to restrict the ankle when I really want more range of motion in that ankle. Um, so that's just two of the things, or I guess, however many that was recovery boots, you know, that's, that's something I would, let's get the basics done first. Let's eat right. Let's, you know, drink properly and, and sleep. I think those are like the three basic things that anybody can do, um, to help recover and, you know, make your body feel good. Um, but I think the the new generation of athletic trainers coming out, understand that. And I think, you know, they're really, really, you know, moving past the whole, I'm going to ultrasound you for five to 10 minutes. Sure. And then, you know, hopefully in a month we'll get benefits more so based on the amount of time that you've taken off, mm-hmm. not so much the ultrasound. Um, so, yeah, I think just movement, movement and more movement, um, trying to move, move better is, is hopefully where athletic training moves to.
0: I like it heard that one come up a couple times so there's definitely a trend coming yeah what does being an athletic trainer mean to you good question um that's our deep hitting one
1: yeah i think you know being an athletic trainer is just so you know you do everything you know in my position i'm First thing I do is I come in, I, I check the locker room and see how our snacks are, right? That's nothing we learned in, in college, but that's something that's important to my day-to-day. Um, my day-to-day abilities, because if our guys aren't fueled for practice, you know, I don't want to deal with those problems, to be honest. If, you know, somebody's feeling weak and they didn't eat breakfast, like, I don't want that to happen because of the nutrition wasn't stocked. Um, or they didn't have proper fluids, things like that. So we do so many things if it's sport psychology and just talking to it to an athlete and trying to refer them somewhere else, uh, dealing with injuries, obviously, uh, preventative stuff. So we do daily mobility circuits after practice. Um, just trying to really enhance hip and hip, knee and, and ankle stability, mobility. Um, yeah, I think the athletic trainer does it all. I just, you know, we had our, our banquet, um, this past week for men's basketball and I, my coach called me the, uh, the MVT, uh, unfortunately he said most valuable trainer instead of athletic trainer, but, um, you know, it is, it it's, it's an encompassing job, you know, you're part of the staff, you're part of the, the overall athletic administration. So, um, I think it's, it's everything to, a, to a student athlete, to a patient. It's, it's uh, rewarding. I don't know, it's a great question. It's so hard to answer.
0: Oh yeah. I think that was a great answer to it. Um, encompassed all of it and I couldn't agree more. So appreciate you for that. Um, kind of just to wrap up then, if people wanted to get in touch with you, um, to talk about service or just anything else, uh, what would be the best place for them to get a hold of you? And we'll link all this up on the episode uh, page as well.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. So Twitter, I'm, uh, I think it's rbirdy34. And uh, other than that, just reach me by email. Um, My Drexel email is rsb323 at drexel.edu. That can be found on our athletics webpage as well. Um, And then I'm also on the Paps website and I believe the NATA District 2 website.
0: Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time and fitting this in around your schedule um, and look forward to staying in touch in the future. Thanks for having me, Joel. Thanks again for listening to this episode with Rich Birdie. Uh, Just one more quick shout-out to Mueller Sports Medicine for supporting this podcast and the profession. Uh, We are still going strong with the Throw a Lifeline program. We are getting our second one out there and look forward to putting out many more. So please go to clinicallypress.com backslash throw a lifeline if you're interested, want to help out um, and or nominate someone or apply uh, for one of these Uh, packages so thanks again and we'll catch you next episode